Well, good morning and welcome to another episode of Align with Lina. I am so excited to have as my guest today, Suzanne Bailey, and you guys are going to love her. And the reason I wanted to interview Suzanne is because she has had an amazing, amazing spiritual journey. I met her at a time when she was at a very low point in her life, and we've known each other now for about uh, 10, 11 years, and it has been actually 12 years. Um, it has been an incredible journey. So without having to say a whole lot, let me just jump in here and invite Suzanne to be sharing the screen with me because you guys are going to absolutely love hearing what this wonderful woman has to say. And yes, Mindy, you are right. This is very exciting to have Suzanne on here. Mm -hmm. Um, all right, Miss Suzanne, let's let's share with people how you and I met. In your own words, please go ahead and and tell them that. Well, I had been on a on a seeking journey trying to understand why I was so unhappy when I had no reason to to be unhappy um, in my twenties, and I just kept taking workshops and reading books and was a student of Unity and couldn't get everything to come together. I would get better and then I'd get depressed again. And anyway, I was a, definitely a glass uh, half empty girl for really no good reason. I had good parents. Um, I grew up with a little bit of spiritual guidance um, from them, a variety of different Christian um, beliefs, but they were seekers. And um, I had a kind father who was very present, which is a very uncommon story, apparently, <laughs> for most people on this journey. Um, my mother was present. She was a little bit depressed. Um, and so I think that was part of what had an impact on me as as we discovered. So I was in a group at Unity with Trisha Malloy and she said, my friend Lina is teaching this workshop called Power of Awareness and I think it will really help you. So I broke away from my family for the weekend and just pretty much demanded um, that I have the time I needed to to dedicate to this. And I came into Lina's workshop, I think we called me later on on the other side of that journey at Mousy Sue's. Um, I was very timid. I was um, very lacking confidence, just completely um, almost broken, but not completely. And uh, through the course of that weekend, um, the biggest takeaway I had from it is I thought that it was my fault that I was so unhappy because I couldn't blame it on my parents. I couldn't blame it on my childhood or anything I had done. I hadn't really made any major um you know, mistakes or done anything super bad. I mean, I did have one marriage that didn't turn out so good, but that really wasn't wasn't it. And I just couldn't find it was just the voice in my head that just basically said, you're not good enough. Um, you know, you're you're a loser. You're never going to get it right. You're never going to figure it out. You've done all these courses and read all these books and you're still the same old mousy, depressed person you were, you know, 20 years ago when you started on this journey and the biggest takeaway I took from that weekend, I mean, it was tons of things, lots of experiences that helped me understand what was going on. But I figured out with Lina's help that what I was doing was emulating my mother's um, depression and lack of confidence in herself. That's where the voice was coming from, not because it was said to me, but because I picked it up as being her child. 
And then also learning later on that I, um, my intuitive gift was actually speaking to me before I knew it. And so I was hearing everybody's everything. And so I never really could get down to the heart of, of who I was and what I was thinking. It was like, there was lots of radio stations playing and I was dialed into all of them, but mine. <laughs> I love, love, love um, what you're saying simply because so many people who are going through a spiritual awakening do not necessarily have to have had a traumatic childhood. Mine wasn't traumatic either. But like you just said, we got programmed to believe information that was modeled for us as if it was our own. So our mother modeled how to be a woman. Our father modeled how men behave. So we pick that up and decide that that's the way we're supposed to be. That's the way our man's supposed to be. And all that it does is it creates a pattern that interrupts our ability to hear our true authentic voice. So I, I love that you said that because this will give hope to a lot of people who, who, you know, over the years I've coached so many who say, but I didn't have a bad childhood. And I'm like, you don't have to have a bad childhood to receive conditioning from the world that blocks you from hearing the voice of your authentic self. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. So your life at the time when I met you, you were in a marriage that you were unhappy. You had two kids who were in high school. Um, you had the pressures of being the pretty much at that time. I believe you were the sole provider uh, in your family. Speak to how did you go in that weekend coming in feeling all depressed and woe is me and mousy. And the reason I called you mousy is because you were in such a shell. You did not you, you were afraid to of your own voice. <laughs> so share with me um, what was your life like so that the audience can see what you then had to go home and begin to overcome as you were gaining this clarity this awareness of your ability to dial into just your one voice the voice of your soul your spirit your authentic self while you still were programmed with all of those other depressive thoughts how what was life like now that you had two very distinct um, voices that you now were aware you could choose between. Yes. Yeah, so I, um, I was definitely a victim of everything that was happening to me. I did not understand at all that I was the creator of any of it. I took some responsibility for being a participant and that I knew I had gotten down to the bottom of the well, um, not alone, but I also hadn't somehow maintained my ground, um, in the marriage or even with my children. So anything anybody said to me that was, you know, unkind at work or whether it was um, my husband or my kids, you know, they were your your typical challenging teenagers at the time it was all my fault. You know, I, I couldn't do anything right, um, no matter how I tried. So it just kept. So that's where I was. So when I came back um, to the house after that weekend, I remember um, I was I was afraid to even stand up for myself. Like if anybody came at me, I just instantly just like froze, like everything was my fault. And I remember Lena said, doesn't matter what they say. They can't unless they're physically hurting you. What if they yell at you? So what? And I remember one time I flew down the stairs and met one of my family members running late for somewhere and got yelled at. And I just stood there. 
and I didn't yell back and I didn't say anything. And I just put up my invisible line of shield that she had taught me to use and just let it blow past me. And it was so empowering. And they just stood there and said, are you not going to say anything back? And I'm like, no, I have nothing to say. And I got in the car and I drove off. And um, that was like within a few days of, of finishing the workshop. And so from there, I just kept gradually, you know, getting back my power. I, I got back to one of my passions, which was dancing. Um, so I carved out time for myself. I made my husband drive the kids so that I could go to dance class. And so I went to dance class. Um, I'd been a performer when I was in high school and actually performed in a recital um, that following year, which was um so scary. I would just, my heart was just fluttering backstage. I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. And it's like, but you used to do this all the time. You can do it. And I did it. And it, when it was over, I just, the amount of self-confidence that I had back in myself um, oh. and just attaching to something that was part of who I was as a kid, I just gradually started pulling back pieces of myself and just gained more and more confidence and more and more self-love and, and all the work I had done up to that point um, through Unity, you know, through the books that I had read, things started to click into place much more quickly because the information was already there. And then I was allowing myself to trust myself um, that I could do it and I could get out of the situation that I was in. And you have said some, uh, several things that are so powerful that are so important here is when we gain that awareness that what other people think about us is a reflection of where they are, not about who we are unless we receive it and we receive it, then it's a reflection of where we are as well. But if we just listen to it, it's just commentary. You know, it, they have an opinion. And so your ability to decide, no, I'm not going to take your opinion as true about me and let it go began to shift how they were treating you. But more importantly, it began to shift how you were willing to be treated yourself, what you were willing to accept. And then the process of rebuilding our confidence, the process of beginning to listen to our own inner voice. And for you, it was, I remember when you signed up for that dance class and you told us you were going to do a recital. I was so excited for you because we're reclaiming the essence of our child, our inner child, our, uh, you know, it's that wonder face of this journey where we come in with a knowingness of who we are. And then we learn how to, give that up, give that voice up as we dial in and tune into the voice of other people. So you did something so courageous in, you know, in your forties to go ahead and get out there and, and um, join a dance troupe and, and perform in a recital. So that's beautiful. So then what you, so you were saying, the other thing that was so important is that you already had some truth that you had, that were already seeds that were planted in you that began to bloom. So share some of the teachings that you already had awareness of that you had already been studying up until that point or around that time that that gave you a sense of of trust, that gave you a sense of power that allowed you to begin to line up with your truth. Yeah. So I think because I had been going to Unity for about 20 years, I had the Unity teachings pretty solid under my belt at that point. Um, you know, I. I I was solid in my religious beliefs. Like I knew what I believed about God and source and, and I didn't have any of um, religious background that I really needed to clean up. So that was huge. Yeah. 
Um, I also had somewhat of a meditation practice, um, but it was mostly me trying to meditate and then listening to a million voices go on at the same time. Um, I had done some, um, I'd studied Wayne Dyer's material. Um, you had pointed me in the direction of Man's Search for Meaning, and that was really a very helpful book. And, and I recommend that to a lot of my clients yeah. that don't realize you know, people in desperate situations somehow manage to get out of it by expressing gratitude and appreciation for whatever little things that you can find. Yeah. So um, I think that and I can't re recall exactly anything else that I did other than um, just going to church every Sunday, you know, religiously like I had, mostly just to get a break from my children in the beginning. Yes. Um, that peace and quiet in the sanctuary was, you know, I looked forward to that every single week. Yes. And, you know, one of the things that, that I do remember is that after you attended uh, my Power of Awareness workshop, you were very involved at the center. You participated in, in events and you got to to become part of that community. So that was also a wonderful resource to connect you to like-minded people because that is, you had it at Unity, but then you also had it, you know, because frankly, I, I feel that when we begin to wake up to really embody those principles, whether we learn them at Unity or Science of Mind or just truths in other places, it's one thing to know it in your head, it's another one when you begin to live it. And at the center, we had people who were who were wanting to embody that and moving from the head knowledge to the heart, uh, living it and expressing it. And you were a beautiful example of somebody who was taking the, the these truths and you were taking the steps to embody them. So that was absolutely beautiful. Say a little bit about your relationship, like you were saying with God, with Jesus up until that time. Talk about that, because I know it has. It has deepened over the years, but share what was it like at that time uh, in terms of how you felt about your alignment with God and Jesus specifically? Uh, yeah, so I I had always, you know, raised Christian, so I always had a strong connection with Jesus. And when I was in my mid-20s, I went to Israel and that was a very profound experience for me. It was actually a work trip. But while I was there, I gained um, clarity of what my beliefs are, you know, about the Bible and what Jesus mm -hmm. was was trying to teach us. And over that time leading up to the big shift, we'll call it, um, I had a really solid understanding of who of what Jesus meant to me. And I actually, when I was in Israel, <clears throat> long before I knew that you could talk to angels and guides and spirits and people on the other side. <laughs> I actually had an experience of sitting with Jesus um, by the Jordan River. And it was it was really profound and a little ahead of its time. Like, I think I really just sort of pushed it. Well, it wasn't. It was perfectly timed. But I at that moment couldn't really ingest um, what was happening. So I think I just pushed it to the background. And I remember I would call upon that memory a lot of times just in prayer. And I would go to the place um, in my mind and in my heart where Jesus was with me in that moment that I just felt that shift. And it's like I got this knowing and this understanding of of everything he meant and everything he tried to teach. And from there, I just continue to distill it down into really the very simple messages um, 
uh, that we all know that he said. And um, that just sort of became my um, my religious understanding. Um, and, you know, God's source, I look at that, you know, all as one as one big thing. Um, I don't believe just to clarify that you have to go through Jesus. Um, he's just kind of like, you know, my big brother, for lack of a better term. Um, people laugh sometimes. I say Jesus is my homeboy and they're like, you can't say that. People will think you're, you know, <laughs> super Christian, you know, that um, which is fine. Everybody's got to be on their own path and do what they do. But what I mean by that is, you know, he's he's who I follow. He's my example. He's my he's my go to. And he was the original healer. So as time progressed and I moved into more of where I am and what I do now, he became even more important to me and even a bigger example because what he did, we all can do. And I think that's what he was trying to say. Love your yeah. brother and sister, heal your brother and sister. Yeah. And as I tried to bridge this with my family, who is very much more traditional Christian, um, it took some time, but they they eventually got it. So that's been um, for me, maybe a little bit different part of my journey towards being a healer than some people and that it did come from Judeo-Christian roots. Yeah. Oh, no, I think it's beautiful. And there's a lot of people who who have done amazing works because they have learned these truths through the, the traditional Christian um, teachings, uh, as you probably remember. But I'll say it for the audience in case I haven't mentioned it before or that maybe they have, this is the first time they're hearing it. But the power of awareness workshop was given to me by Jesus. And it was about simplifying everything into we always hear uh, two voices and we pick between the voice of love and the voice of fear. The voice of fear is the voice of our ego. This is this, the station that we listen to, that we tune into, that has everything to do with what we've learned from the outer world. And of course, the voice of love is the voice for God, the voice for truth inside of us. It's that untainted voice, <coughs> excuse me, that has been with us since, since before we even incarnated. And in hearing that message, that it's that simple, that it is always between two voices and it is absolutely uh, beautiful and powerful that we get to the place that that we keep it that simple. You're, you're listening to the voice of your head or your voice of your heart. And it's not that the voice of the head does not. Um, it, we don't want to listen to the voice of our head, but the voice of the head has to be in service to the voice of the heart. And that's how we stay uh, connected. So we've got a comment from Kevin. Thanks, Kevin, that you say um, that it's huge to you as well, but you don't understand why people would call him the original healer. So, Suzanne, why do you call Jesus the original healer? Well, I guess I say that just coming from the Judeo-Christian aspect of it as far as Christianity goes. I mean, of course, there obviously were healers before then, but I think he became the most prominent and well-known in, in this side of the world, not mm -hmm. on the... Um, not in the Eastern traditions, the Eastern yes. traditions, yeah. Because in Christianity, it's all founded on him being the healer. So that is where that comes from. So thanks, Kevin, for your question so that Suzanne could clarify that. And obviously, uh, you know, we all have to remember that here we're we're sharing our own personal experiences, so there is no right or wrong. We're simply sharing information. Everybody gets to decide 
what makes sense to them because that's what this journey of awakening is is we're beginning to align with truth inside of us so that we can accept what is our truth and begin to let go what does not resonate with our truth so that god can begin to work through us use us as a vessel to express truth in our in the way that we uniquely can express it so now let's go to you you did all of that work your life began to change your family began to change what were some of the big changes besides you beginning to dance and owning your voice and beginning to um and i remember you started painting again you began to tap into your own artistic side what were some of the big changes in your family life and then we will talk more about uh what your life looks like now but but take us through the completion of of the big shifts with your family and then you ended up at the place where you were single again. And now it was all about you and getting in, in a place um, where you are, who you are today. So how did your family shift? Well, it, it wasn't overnight. That's for okay. sure. Um, it, it took me actually quite a few years of pulling the pieces of me back together to get the courage to do what I needed to do. Um, and even getting some information from another intuitive who said I, I needed to get out of my marriage. I still was not able to unravel it for multiple reasons on a human level. But while I was doing that, I was, um, I was making friends and I had not had friends for years. And then when my daughter was born, she started taking piano lessons. And so I had one friend who I met at Unity, who was her piano teacher. And beyond that, I didn't feel like I was worthy of being anybody's friend. Who would want to be around me? I wasn't very pleasant company to anybody, but um, we had boys the same age, so we became friends. So I had one friend when I came <laughs> to the Power of Awareness. But you're right, I did started coming to the book clubs, um, you know, A New Earth, and um, what was the other book that we did after that? The Untethered Soul. Yes. And um, I'll never forget one of, one of my dear friends that I have now, um, I went up to her at the end of one of the book clubs and I asked her if she would be my friend and if I could come over to her house and teach her to paint. <laughs> <laughs> and we still joke about that to this day. And so through the friendships um, that I made at the center, I sort of was building up the support network of women that were loving me regardless of yeah the fact that I wasn't addressing my life situation and I wasn't moving quickly and I was kind of saying the same things over and over again and not making a ton of progress with it. Um, and to the point that I created a, a health condition for myself, I was actually um, diagnosed with some heart disease that was supposed to be irreparable and um, but, but I was going to be okay. But as the anxiety of the situation I was living in kept building, um, I found myself in, uh, I was working downtown at the time in a big office building, and I was just having a, a huge anxiety attack is what I kept telling myself. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. But I really felt like I was having a heart attack. So I went to a bathroom in a faraway part of the building so that no one could hear me just literally fall apart on the bathroom floor. And I felt like my heart was going to just break right out of my chest. And I knew in that moment I had to piece it. I had to pull myself back together. Um, mm -hmm. No one would have found me in that bathroom 
if I hadn't, you know, got, if I really was having a heart attack, no one would ever find me. And, um, and I knew that my children needed me, that their dad wasn't really in a place to manage them without me. And so I just said, this is enough. I've just had enough. I picked myself up off the floor. I went back and told my boss I had to go home. And I just decided after that moment that there was nothing more important than me being here and getting my act together so that I could continue to raise them and also show them how to get on the other side of extreme adversity. And within a few days, the perfect window opened and I was able to tell him that um, that we needed to part ways. And from there, it was still an uphill battle for a bit, but, um, but I got to the other side of it. And in time, everybody got better. All of us did. Yes. And, and you know, what is so, again, so profound about this and why I'm so excited we're having this conversation is this is a journey. We are on a journey of self-healing. Like Suzanne has said, we're, we're, we're reclaiming aspects of ourselves that we kind of put on the shelf when we began to listen to the voice that I'm depressed, that I'm not good enough, that there's something wrong with me. I'm not lovable. I'm not worthy. Whatever it is that we pick up from childhood, those patterns of beliefs that say that I am not the whole perfect, magnificent being as God created us, we fragment into into uh, splinters of our of our potential. So Suzanne was going through a process of reclaiming her truth and little by little, experiences begin to happen that guide us to where we have to make the powerful choice of saying I matter I am worthy I am enough I am magnificent and deserve to have my own joy and from that place then we begin to make the changes in the human world that need to be made to allow us to align and be authentically who we are um, so then you go through the divorce your kids have to go through what the kids go through. Talk a little bit about, because I remember you and I had some really powerful conversations about parenting, because I was going through parenting children who were doing drugs, who were going through some tough times, and, and you had to um, let your kids go through what they were going through and not make it about you, that you were contributing to their lives falling apart because you were going through a divorce, because that instills a lot of guilt in us um, as parents, where we begin to find our power and we make decisions that begin to change our lives, like a divorce or leaving a big job or any job doesn't have to be big. And that has a trickle down effect on our families and our children. How did your kids react to your divorce? You're standing in your power and now you're a different person. You're not the mousy mom that they were used to pushing around. How did those dynamics shift? Well, for my daughter, she was older. So she was uh, basically already on her way out of the house, headed to college. So um, I think it was hard on her because she felt like it was she was responsible. So it's still been a process of letting her know that what was happening in the marriage wasn't because of her. It was just timing. So she had her behavior and, and we had our stuff that was going on. So um, she, I think, had better footing on the front end of it. Um, so her journey's been a little bit different, but my son um, is very much not a fan of the divorce. And uh, much to my surprise, due to some circumstances he created, he ended up going to live with his father, um, which 
was very troublesome for me in the beginning because I didn't see that coming. You know, first the the husband was gone and then the daughter left for college and it was me and the son and he was supposed to be with me for two more years. And within a couple of months, he left as well. So in the matter of six months, there were four of us in the house and then it was just me. Yeah. And it was it was a little rough. It was yeah, it was. It was rough, but it set you up for the perfect opportunities uh, to receive because I remember that you had to open up and let your let these newfound friends that you had really be part of loving you exactly where you were and assuring you that you could get through all of this. Yeah. And that that's part of what we have to do is, you know, we we are energetic beings. We're vibrating at a certain level of frequency. And when we're operating in fear because we're disconnected and we're unconscious and we are depressed, like you said, you only had one friend because misery loves company. So not only are we going to attract friends at that frequency, but we don't want too many of them. Um, and anyhow, so here you are. Life is preparing the stage for exactly what needed to happen for you to be alone. What are some of the gifts that you got from that time when you were alone? Well, I, I would say the, the biggest gift um that came out of it was my son living with his father by himself and without me there. It took some time, but he eventually forgave me and understood more why the marriage didn't work. So that was a huge gift that I was so grateful for. It took about a year, but he came home one day and we had a nice chat about it and he had started his forgiveness process and had had much more clarity that he would have never gotten had he not done that. And he also got himself academically where he needed to be um, and just gained some independence. And, you know, it's I had to kind of like throw my hands up and say, at this point, I've sort of lost control of both of them. They're just going to have to parent themselves. So I just would, you know, them and their gods have got it. There's not much else I can do at this point. So I had to surrender and, and sort of start building, um, building my own life. And uh, part of that was I found paddleboarding. And yeah. um, I just went on a random whim one night uh, to Blue Ridge and grabbed a couple friends. I'd seen somebody doing it and I thought it was going to be something I would enjoy. And I guess that's something about the balance aspect of it. I used to be a gymnast as well as a dancer. And I got on that board and on the water and that was it. And then I had to start saving money and got a part time job to make enough money to buy one and. I remember my son saying, you can't get that. We can't afford it. And I was like, I'm getting a part-time job. I'm going to pay for it. Um, I met people through a meetup that were paddle boarders. So I would borrow boards from them and go out with them until I was able to get my own board. And um, when everybody else was at the mall on that Black Friday, I went to Blue Ridge <laughs> and bought myself a paddle board and pretty much haven't looked back since. Oh, I remember celebrating your newfound passion for paddle boarding. And, you know, here again is another example of the journey takes time. It is a journey of forgiving ourselves for having tuned into a station other than our authentic voice. Um, and, and your children had to find their own uh, process of, of forgiveness. Your son was on his journey. Your daughter's on her journey. Not only were you practicing surrender, but we have to practice developing trust in the benevolence of the universe. God, source, spirit, it doesn't matter what we call it. It is a source of love. There is only love. There is nothing but love. Like there is only light. There is no switch to turn on the darkness because there is no source of darkness. 
There is no source of fear. Fear is what we do that blocks the light. So therefore, when we block our authentic voice, we instill ourselves with so much fear. You were moving through those fears. Your kids have to experience your fears. But it's in facing those fears that we begin to discover that we have the power to say no to those voices. We don't have to listen to the ego. And life puts us in the right situations at the right time for us to get our lessons. And you were trusting, you were strengthening your own um, knowingness that you your worth was it was something you were reclaiming giving yourself those dance lessons, giving yourself that paddle board and discovering things that were so exciting for you. Here you are healing, your kids are healing. So now bring us to the place where maybe there was a defining moment where you knew now you're grounded back in your authentic voice. And what was it like when you began to really feel that authenticity inside of you again? And from that moment, your life then took on a whole nother aspect of the journey. Yeah, there was a few of those, but one in particular I remember going back to the paddleboarding is, um, you know, I knew I had to have the courage to get out there and make new friends, or I was just maybe going to turn back to mousy girl because I was in that house by myself, and I did have all my girlfriends, but I had a lot of time, you know, on my hands and a lot of aloneness to feel after having so many people around. And so I heard about Meetup, I got on Meetup, and. Um, I ended up being sick the first time I was supposed to go, but then this guy reached out to me and said, hey, I have an extra board, do you ever wanna go? And it was in the fall, I didn't have a wetsuit or anything. And I just decided, you know what, I'm gonna go. Like I'd been emailing with him back and forth a couple times, he seemed like a nice guy. And I remember some of my friends were freaking out. They're like, you cannot go meet that guy at the lake, you don't have a wetsuit, what if you fall in, you don't know him, you know, what if he doesn't have good intentions? Fear, and fear, like, fear. Fear, fear, fear. <laughs> and I was just like, I am just going to have to be brave. I'm just going to do this. And they were like, well, what will you do if he if it if it goes bad? And I said, you know what? I'm going to trust my intuition. And when I first meet him, if I get a bad vibe, I'll just say, hey, I feel sick. You know, it was at a gas station. I'll jump back in my car and I'll turn around and come home. And as soon as I got there, he greeted me with a big smile and a hug and said, oh, it's so great to finally meet you. I can't wait, you know, to take you out on the lake. And he's turned out to be a fabulous friend that I still have today. And from there, I met, you know, a dozen other people that now I go on vacation with every year. They've taught me how to surf on my paddleboard. And if I'd been afraid not to meet him because he might be creepy or I might fall in the lake, I would not have this amazing life experience that I've had with these people and in the ocean all over the world had I said no in that one moment and succumbed to fear instead of courage. And okay, so a powerful, powerful lesson here that I hope everybody is really paying attention to is that as we move through through the voice of fear, as our ego wants to pull us into playing small, we have got to move through those fears and honor the voice of intuition. God speaks to us through intuition. That is how we know the kingdom of heaven is within. That is how we align to the voice for God that is going to guide us. That is how we have to do the work of moving through those fears by, by deciding to not be stopped by them. So you did something amazing, courageous that has changed your life. It has transformed you because when you found, um, 
paddle boarding, you became a whole different person. It's it's almost as if the essence of the soul that you are that has lived for thousands of lifetimes mm -hmm. and has been a water being, yeah. uh, you reclaim that and you have been embodying that essence ever since. Mm -hmm. So that was huge and amazing. So you begin to trust your intuition and how else has your life changed? And and in that weave, how you came about to doing the type of energy work that you do, because I want us to now focus on, on the transition from you listening to that intuitive voice to you finally deciding that it was the right time for you to begin to share what you had been discovering was true for you. Yeah. So, I mean, it was basically just a gradual process. And part of it was being friends with people that were also finding their healing and intuitive gifts. But I was kind of like running, running in the back of the pack, so to speak. So um, as my friends were starting to discover their gifts and talents, and I mean, it's no accident that we all found each other and came together in the way that we did. I mean, when you think yeah. about just how magically, perfectly orchestrated uh, Source did that to, to bring us all to each other, because we all do things differently at different paces and, and have different um, different talents in that area. But I was like, oh, no, not me. You know, oh, y'all do that. Oh, no, not me. And um, I got some nudges here and there. And uh, eventually uh, our good friend Mindy encouraged me to take a, uh, a hands on healing class with her. And it was just uh, a weekend course. So it wasn't too much time. You know, I didn't have to take anything off from my day job. Um, it, it wasn't very expensive. And, and actually, I had someone gift paying for that for me. Um, I still was working through a little bit of money fears. And I was like, oh, can't come up with that to do something that I'll probably never use anyway. And so the universe just conspired to nudge her to get me there. And then the money showed up. So I had no excuse but to go. And um, as soon as I did, it was it just felt like what I was supposed to be doing. It just felt natural and normal. And then from there, um, I, I just I kept going because then I couldn't not, you know, it was well, just a calling. Yes. And, and what you said, another nugget to insert that in here is that the universe does conspire to move us into the, the spaces that we're supposed to be. That's part of the process of surrendering. That's part of developing trust. That's part of who we be, how we become honest with ourselves in terms of that. We want to listen to that voice for love only. We want to be authentic in in accepting not only who we are, but what we're here on the planet to do, because every single one of us has a purpose on this planet. Not only are we bringers of love and light to the planet, but when we align with source, we are going to be used wherever that happens to be, whether it's as a doctor or we're going to be used as a chemist or we're going to be used as a politician or as a mother, um, a father, a stay at home parent um, or a healer. It doesn't matter. We are going to be used if we allow ourselves to listen to those intuitive nudges and like you said our friend mindy planted a seed that you began to resonate with and it and it brought you to amazing places so say more about your journey to become a healer well i also realized that um i, I did work with a healer for about two years after my divorce um pretty extensively um and she was a very talented healer but I also did the work. She gave me the work to do and I did it with a vengeance. Um, and so once, 
this all started to come together, I realized how important working with a healer was to my journey. I mean, I'd also done some psychotherapy over the years, which is great. But um, the depth of healing that you get through doing healing work, to mm -hmm. me, um, it, it's, it's profound because you can do psychotherapy where you get your mind to calm down, where you're not thinking about this or that or the other you know, bad thing that happened to you. But until you actually get it cleared, you know, from your field, um, I think it's hard for the body to to heal itself with all of the other things in the way that keep it from doing its job. So um, I continued through uh, level three with the, um, the Healing Beyond Borders, which is a, a different version of Healing Touch. And um, just did some other workshops here and there, but I kept getting the sense that there was something different that I was supposed to be doing. Um, some sort of different modality. I, have, I had no idea what it was. And then in my email popped one day, this, this teacher, um, Brent Michael Phillips. And so I listened to his program and what he had to say and his take on it, which is uh, using it's based kind of on theta healing. So using the theta brainwave state. So it's more um, taking your, your client into a, um, a relaxed state where they're awake. So it's not like hypnosis. And I ended up doing his course. And then through that, I met another woman, as God would have it. Um, we were on a zoom call and the teacher was supposed to be in the big box. And um, my now good friend, Heidi, um, was in the big box instead of the little box. And I thought, well, that's weird. Why is she in the big box? She's not, she wasn't even talking. Like she just like showed up, like kind of like a, hey, here I am. And then it's, it adjusted back to the way it was supposed to be. And then partly through the talk, I thought, hmm, I wonder why she showed up. And so I messaged her and said, hey, I don't know why you showed up in the big box, but I just thought I'd say, hey, and what do you think of this course? Well, she said, let's talk after we stayed on the phone for like three hours. She introduced me to another teacher who I've now been studying with for a couple of years. I've learned tons of stuff from her. We've never even met in person. And she's one of my dearest friends and has given me great information and inspiration. So I just kind of, you know, keep following God's breadcrumbs to to sort of see to see where I land. And I, I really love the work that I'm doing now. It is different. It it does um, work as well remotely as it does in person. It also gives me the opportunity to do um, to do group work so I can work on groups of people at the same time, which I just did a, a book club, a nine week book club. So I was doing group healings at the beginning of all of those um, classes that we had together. So it's just it's really, really magical, um, fun work and no two sessions are the same. I get different information each time. I get different homework each time for people. But my main thing is I know that even though I used a healer for two years to help me get to where I am, I did the work. She showed me what I needed to do and she cleared away some blocks and, um, you know, different things. But, you know, I, I want people to know that they have the power to do this themselves. We just all sometimes need a little bit of help figuring out where it is and what to do. And, you know, with some diligence and some perseverance, we can really get not only power over our mind, but dominion over our bodies as well. Well, and, and thank you again for setting the stage for these beautiful nuggets. Um, we, we have to do the healing work. It, it, you cannot shift. You cannot wake up 
And what is awakening? Awakening is nothing more than totally and completely aligning the thinking in our mind with the truth of who we are in our heart. That means that we have to let go of all the beliefs that block the truth. We've got to let go of these fears. We've got to question them and realize that they're veils. They are they are like clouds blocking the sun in and of themselves. They have no power unless we agree with those fears, which, of course, then instills discomfort. But for lifetimes, but let's talk about in this lifetime, in this lifetime, we're picking up beliefs that that tell us that we're not OK, beliefs that tell us that we are somehow less than that instill fears and, and activate density in our body because those frequencies are 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 low frequencies. The energy work that Suzanne is speaking of that she received is is the ability to heal traumas that uh, in our field, in our energy field. And I want you to speak a little bit more to that because as somebody who has been a coach, I have for the past 12, 13 years, I can tell you that people who do the work as Suzanne, you basically took everything that I suggested and you ran with it. When I watch people who commit to the work that we intuitively as coaches, as, as healers, as guides, as psychotherapists that we receive to share with another, it's just God using us as channels to share information. And I cannot tell you the difference in the people who do the work and those who say they want to do the work, but stop themselves from doing the work. I see so many people who get stuck in all of these, um, what I call spiritual cul-de-sacs, running around, reading the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, but not applying the work that has been given them to do. And they don't heal. They don't move past their blocks. They just read about having blocks or read about something exciting they want to get to, but they cannot arrive at that place of peace within if we don't let go of all of the things that have blocked us from being at peace to begin with. So speak to some of the things that you actually experienced when you did the work um, of finding those traumas and and releasing them. Say, Be specific about a few, if you don't mind, to help yeah. our audience. I think one of the biggest tools that I used was writing and burning. Um, and I used that for years and I still do. And in fact, I, I had a lot of anger when I first got divorced and actually got that tool from my chiropractor. And she said, I want you to go home and write about your anger about this divorce for nine days. And I was like, nine days. Oh, my gosh, nine days. And she said, yes, you write down everything that you're angry about for nine days and you burn it. And I remember it was in the winter. So I would have to put my coat on, you know, do my, and she told me, she said, if you do this, then when your nine days are up, your anger will be gone and you will never have this anger again. And I was like, well, that sounds crazy, but I'll give it a go. Um, Cause I was desperate. Like I knew, I knew I needed to find a way to let it out. Um, and so I did, I did what she told me to do. And I wrote and I put my winter coat on and I went out to the fire pit every night and burned everything I'd written. And sure enough, within nine days, it was gone. It had dissipated and it never came back. And I had a whole new understanding, um, you know, of, of just I just let it go. Like it just yeah. was what it was. Everything happened. I couldn't change it. There was no going back. There was no him taking it back, me taking it back. None of that. And I think, as you know, that anger just dissipated. And then that was it. Yeah. And so. Once I saw the power of that tool, I've used it multiple times um, throughout my life. And I've 
I've given that tool to people and you know, a lot of times, like you said, they don't, they won't take the time to sit down and do it. Um, and I, you know, I give all of my clients homework and things to do because if they don't participate in their healing, it's not going to stick, you know, either they're going to continue to think thoughts that, that attracts that back to them, or they're not going to get on the other side of feeling empowered. And then, you know, they're just going to go back to an egoic way of, of looking at things. And so yeah. that's probably one of my number one homework um, things that I give people. Um, and then I think the other thing was I, I did a lot of journaling too, as far as what I wanted. So, you know, writing and burning the things that I don't want and then journaling what I do want and starting to realize that, I create my own movie. And let me tell you, once you realize that, good or bad, you know, you have to take responsibility for it. And then you can't blame anybody else. Yeah. And that that's powerful because you know the things that we're letting go of is angers, resentments, it's emotions that were not expressed that got suppressed. Our, our, our jealousies, our frustrations, our judgments of others, our, our senses of inadequacy, our blame, our shame, our guilt, all of these things, we have to experience them because they all act as blocks to the perfection of who we are. We're claiming our invulnerability, but before we can feel that invulnerable aspect of ourselves as God created us, we have to face where we think, um, that we need to be vulnerable. We need to be willing to feel it, to heal all of those experiences, all of those emotions, all of those, uh, you know, moments throughout our lives where we withheld our voice out of fear. And when you withhold your voice out of fear, it is going to get suppressed. It is going to get plugged in somewhere in your body. The density of that is something that we are going to have to face, look at it and release it. But as Suzanne said, we have to balance it. Not only are we seeing what we don't want by feeling it and, and experiencing it, that's how you heal it. But we also have to acknowledge the truth that our soul desires. Like you honored uh, dancing, you honored getting a divorce. I've had to honor getting a divorce uh, two in the last 10 years because it just wasn't in alignment anymore with my soul. There were lessons, there were, there were healing moments in both relationships, but they were then not in alignment with my soul for what was next for me. And you did that. So you balance yourself with what you want. You balanced, uh, you know, you release what you don't want. You balance with what you want. And now you become a vessel that is usable by God to be able to express how to do this for others. So talk about your spiritual, uh, not your spiritual practice, but your healing, spiritual healing practice and say more. How can people find you? How can people connect with you? What are you offering? Share all of those wonderful things because if there's one thing I am really clear about after all these years of doing this, the best teachers are the ones who have walked the path that we're teaching about. I believe as a student of A Course in Miracles, we teach what we want to learn. The course made that really clear for me. I am teaching so that I can remain a student of truth. And every person that I know and I can vouch for because I have been in, uh, I've received your healing, those who stand for as a healing conduit are aware of the potential that their clients have to heal themselves. It is a matter of we have to receive it to experience it. Healers don't give us healing. Healers are conduits for us accepting our own worth, our, our own wellness. Just as Jesus didn't tell people, oh, tell me about your 
parent, you know, uh, child experience. Tell me about your wounds. Tell me about what bothers you. He just said, get up and walk. Um, because Jesus knew that healing is something that's already been granted to us. We just have to accept it by receiving it. So how can people find you and what exactly do you do so that they know if you are the one that they want to contact? Sure. Um, you can find me. My website is Suzanne, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-S Bailey.com. And you can find me on Facebook, Suzanne Bailey, comma healer. Um, and then you can find my email address and my, my phone number there to reach out to me. Um, I do 20 minute complimentary phone consultations. I'm um, super fit for each other and explain a little bit more about what I do. And then um, typically I'll, I want uh, clients to work with me for a minimum of three sessions to get started. Um, just because it's like anything else, you know, healing is not a quick fix, no matter how you go about it. Um, regardless of what pharmaceutical marketing companies tell us, um, you know, the pills don't solve everything and true change does take time. It's just like anybody that's going to go into a, to a rehab program. You know, you're going to start with a good 30 days because you have to shift that mental thought patterns and you have to embrace new beliefs. And you really have to get connected to your higher self in order for true um, healing and change to happen. And what I've learned at this point now is all the turmoil in my life, who knew all this time, you know, was preparing me to actually do the work that I'm doing now. I've suffered um, not only the divorces and the situations with the kids, um, you know, but the illnesses that were supposed to be incurable that are, you know, the heart disease is, is now completely gone. Um, which I was much surprised when that happened. I have a perfect heart these days. Um, but also uh, just even things like, you know, when I was in my 40s, I couldn't go to the mall. The mall was overwhelming to me and I didn't understand why. And now I know that it was just, I was just, like I said, a satellite dish for everybody else's stuff. So what then made it challenging to be a mother with a 14 year old that wanted to go shopping now gives me the ability to tune in to people with a, with a higher perspective and a, and a better trained ear and intuitive ability to understand what, what's going on. Um, I always will empower my clients to do their work and to know that they are the source of their healing. And as you said, I just become an open vessel for source to point me in the direction of where they're misaligned. And I basically will um, help them remove the traumas and the blocks in their field that are keeping the body from healing itself. And then I, um, mostly try to work with them to connecting to their higher self and their own inner guru. And oftentimes if you can get people to quiet down enough to, to listen and you ask them what's going on, they know, and they're surprised that they know. So I think um, the things that I've helped people out with the most are um, anxiety. Um, I had a client who had some surgery, PTSD, I had some great success and working with her. And then I've also had some um, friends that I've helped with um, pain after surgery uh, and even just pain from having illnesses, removing viruses and bacteria um, from people with infections, that kind of thing. So every session is different. I couldn't tell you exactly what I do. I get the information from source as to what needs to happen for them. So I don't really have a... Um, a firm plan of action, if you will. Um, 
If you do want to follow me on my Facebook page or check out my website, I will be doing a course coming up probably in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a beta test for 12 women. It's going to be called Bladder Up. So it's not a serious issue, but I actually had a client who said, hey, can you help me with this when I go to swing the tennis racket? You know, stuff comes out that it's supposed to. And I was like, sure, let's give it a go and had some good success with that. So I'm going to do um, 12 ladies through a 30 day day course of um, getting getting on the other side of that, because a lot of it is just a belief system yeah. that we don't have to aspire to. So. Yeah, uh, I just so love hearing everything you're saying. I'm so grateful that I had a little piece um, in in your journey to mm -hmm. discovering your truth that I, I got to to be part of that. And that's one of the amazing things that as teachers, as healers, as coaches, uh, you, you know, you clients have no idea how satisfying it is for us to stand as a conduit for another person receiving their own healing, participating in their own healing journey. So I get to see so many, I've had so many clients that I work with through the years that have gone on to become healers and coaches and teachers in their own right. And they'll go on to do greater things than I could possibly do because they're going to meet so many more people that I'll never be able to meet um, because we all have the circles that we impact, but we're all working for the same source. We're all working on behalf of the same truth. Um, so I want you to share a couple of parting words. So this, this is called Align with Lina because I want people to understand that there are others who just like us are doing the work of healing and then aligning with the truth of who we are. So tell me two things. What is it that you align to and what is your practice to align to that? So paint the picture for what to align to first. Well, it's aligned to, to your higher self, which I think higher self, God, source, the divine, you know, even Jesus. Um, I, with training, you get to the point where you can you can feel the energy of alignment and not alignment. And it, it does take some practice, but you can you can you can feel it. It's tangible, at least yes. for me, it is. And um, it's come through meditation. Um, I don't think I mentioned that earlier, but that's that's always been one of my big tools that has been a big go to. Um, I think now that I've started doing more healing work, my alignment comes much more quickly um, just because now I've got a, a practice and a, an energetic channel, if you will, um, that I can get into. But, you know, I'm, I'm human like everybody else. I'm not there all the time. Sometimes I have to be reminded um, that that I have the capability to to get back into the to the flow of source into my higher self and, you know, listen to my heart, listen to my intuition, you know, to get the head, get the head in service to the heart is what I always say. So there's a lot of great value that we can do with our brain. But um, if it's not being driven, you know, by our higher selves, then usually it's not serving us so well. So. Oh, so beautifully said. And, you know, that that whole aspect of aligning with source, whatever you want to call it, it does not matter what we call it. It knows what it is, but it is felt. You cannot conceptually understand source. You have to feel it in your heart, as, as Suzanne so beautifully said. And as Margaret attests to that, the fact that you are awesome, you're an awesome healer and, and you're an awesome being um, as you continue to shine your light for others to find their own way through the example that you offer. But that alignment that we're talking about, it, like you said, it is felt and it is a place of of 
truth inside of us. It is a very peaceful place. It is inside of that stillness where we get to to really connect with source so that we can be one of those who can say your will, God, source, spirit, not mine be done. Because when we use our own will, we're using our own ego to get in the way and block what can come through us. So I want to thank you so much for spending this hour with me and sharing your wonderful story, your experience, so that others can learn from you, from me, from us. And together we can continue to drop more breadcrumbs so other people can find their own way home. And this is not a simple, uh, or it's not an easy journey, but it is a simple process. Yeah. And what makes the process simple is that we're just returning to our authentic self. There is no other place to go but to exactly the the place of our authenticity. This is to reclaim ourselves as God created us. So from that place of wholeness, of perfection, of invulnerability and magnificence, we no longer become people who are afraid by what other people think of us or, or get uh, swayed by things in the world to make us or give us or add to us. When we claim our wholeness, we get to become part of the change we want to see in the world. And you are doing that so beautifully, Suzanne. And I am so grateful for you. So as always, go ahead and have the final parting words. And then I'll let folks know what's coming up next on uh, Future Align with Lina. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me here today. It's truly my pleasure. And I think the next step that comes from when you come home to yourself um, then when you are with other people and they're doing the same, the oneness can be felt and the ability for us to all do that and raise the vibration of the planet so that more people understand um, it, it. It can be magical. It really can be. Yes, it really is. Thank you for saying that. Uh, yes. Can you imagine a world where all of us have done the work and we feel that 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 peace inside of us? We're no longer takers, but we become givers of, of all that we have to offer because the well is forever flowing. Um, it's just a beautiful place. And yes, the oneness is exactly where we're headed. That is what we're creating heaven on earth. Even if it takes us a while to get there, that's the direction we're going in. But next Monday on the 20th, I have a friend, Melanie, who I am going to be interviewing, and she's actually a friend of a friend, um, and I'm really excited to have her on the program. On the 27th, which is Memorial Day, I will not be doing an Align with Lina because I am going to be at the lake having some fun, aligning with nature, aligning with girlfriends, playing with Suzanne with her paddleboard. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And then the week after that, on June 3rd, a really good friend of mine, Linda Gabrielle, who lives in California. She's a powerful healer too. So thank you all for participating in these um, these events where we get to share information. You get to receive it, take what resonates, leave what doesn't, and just remember you are magnificent and there's nothing you can do about that. All you can do is accept it or deny it, but you cannot change that that is a fact of who you are. Thank you all so much. And Suzanne, as always, I love you, sweetheart. And I look forward to uh, seeing you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Take care, bye-bye.